With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What up? Welcome in. Doug Gottlieb here, and uh, this is All Ball. All basketball podcast all the time. Rob Doster is my guest. He used to work for NBC Sports. He is now a free agent. Um, he is awesome. He's a former D3 basketball player who... Uh, who just kind of broke off on his own and he became kind of synonymous to those of us in the sport, to those of us in the know. He's like, man, that guy, he's really good. So we'll talk some ball. We'll talk some beer. We'll talk some pizza. We got some other stuff to get to. He'll join me uh, momentarily. Uh, first of all, let me give you a couple impressions from watching the NBA bubble. It is interesting to watch the Clippers kind of go through this. At the time in which I'm recording it, the Clippers just lost the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker at a fadeaway jump shot. I, I like... I like this Phoenix team. I can't tell you that I focus and concentrate on them in the regular season before the bubble, but I do know that Monty's done a very good job. I know that Ricky Rubio at the point guard, when he's healthy, you know, people don't understand like defensively, statistically, he's analytically, he's really, really good. Um, and he, you know, he sets guys up. He's able to score just enough. You know, you combine him with uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's improving. Like I, I'm, I, obviously, they should have taken Luca. You know, you had his his national team coach as your head coach, and you didn't take him. But it's not like he's a bum. He's a good player. And then you have um, Booker, who's an absolute walking bucket. Like, I, I like them. Still, the Clippers just, I don't know. They just, they're not yet hitting on all cylinders. I, I, Lou Williams, you know, everybody's forced him to go to his right hand. 
It looks a little bit out of it. You know, they're, they're struggling with the rotation. I don't think they needed Reggie Jackson. I'm not sure that that's taken minutes and, and really possessions away from Landry Shaman. Even when Shaman plays with him, it almost feels like Shaman's now an afterthought where he was coming on strong before they made that trade. I mean, maybe at the time they made the trade, they needed more depth because they had some injuries, but now they're fully healthy. And so now you don't really need him. You know, I haven't had Montrez Harrell because he removed himself from the bubble. So that, that hurt that, but I don't know. I mean, I, I still want to believe the Clippers are the best team in the West, and I do think they have better weaponry and the ability to, to guard LeBron and break down a defense with their guard play, and they just, they're just going to beat you with their depth once they have all their depth all set. But I just something's missing right now. And while there's something wrong with the Clippers, it's not like the Lakers look great. Look, Anthony Davis was awesome against the Utah Jazz. He used him as a stretch five. He can hit shots. Um, I, I think... You know, I've said this on Cowherd's show, on my show, which, by the way, you can listen to 3 to 6 Eastern on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. I, I don't understand how Frank Vogel is not in every discussion for Coach of the Year. No disrespect to Billy D uh, or to Nick Nurse, who's like runner up for the for the media one or for. Uh, yeah. And then who else was it? Oh, Mike Budenholzer. But like Frank Vogel was their second choice. And then when everybody hired whenever when they hired. Jason Kidd, people are like, oh, no chance he wants to play for Frank Vogel. And Vogel's team, best record in the West. And he's done a great job. And he does not have a perfect team. That said, like, it's not a perfect team. You know, you're going to have to depend on Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And as much as I like, I love Alex Russo. Love. There's some limitations there offensively. And there's just a lack of depth. And then Kuz is so up and down. So up and down. And while normally you could hide Kyle Kuzma's defensive lapses, you have to factor in that LeBron, though he played great against the, the Clippers in big stretches defensively, LeBron, you know, he, he quarterbacks more defensively than anything. So I, I, guess, I guess my early takeaway from the bubble is I still think it'll be Lakers and Clippers, but I'm not sure it's the locked-up cinch that it used to be. On the other hand, if it's not them, who's it going to be? Like, it's not going to be Oklahoma City. I don't think it'll be Utah or Denver or Houston, or Portland, definitely not Memphis, now with the Jackson injury. And then you got the, the Bucks. And when I look at the Bucks, I think that Giannis, at the end of the Rockets game, when he turned it over and he, he, he didn't see Kyle Korver a couple times, some four shots, you start to understand that while he's not inexperienced as a basketball player, in championship games, he's very inexperienced, and he doesn't know how. To, like those, the guys who are the best, they just get. They all talk about getting there. They just get to a spot where they know every where where everyone is and what they want to do and how they want to do it. They just have this kind of. It's I guess it's the ten thousand hour rule, right? Once you get to the, you've done it enough. And I just don't think Giannis is there yet. And I don't hate the Sixers. I I think those those top four teams in the West, in the East. You know, Toronto, probably the best team. There's some limitations there town-wise, but, you know, they're playing two-point guards, and if Lowry doesn't beat you, Van Vliet will. Um, Siakam, obviously, is a crazy talented guy, and then they got they got two very different big guys, older big guys. Like, I don't know. Like, Not crazy to think that that we know the final, feels like we know the final four in the East, right? If it's Boston, I think Philly, and Toronto, right? Like, those are the four best teams. I think that either of those three, any of those three teams could could legitimately beat the Raptors. Is it likely? No. I mean, could beat the Bucks. I'm sorry. 
Is it likely? No, but you watch how Giannis plays and you're like, okay, there, there's a reason. Once we get to the playoffs and guys can get physical and teams are built to stop him, you put enough size and length on him and you can navigate some of his drives to the basket. You, you bluff at him in terms of your coverage and he's trying to find shooters in the corner. And then you saw what Houston was able to do, playing small ball against them. I thought that was... And they were just, they were body blowing to death, you know, throwing the ball into Brooke Lopez, scoring what felt like at will. But then at some point the scoring stopped and Houston just kept coming. So the the thing about the bubble is, I I think it's going to be really hard to execute your primary offense, if you will, because there's way more in-depth scouting of every team because you can literally go and see those teams in the bubble. And they're all on TV and you have plenty of time to track things and check things out may make for uglier playoffs, more physical playoffs where these games, the defense sometimes is optional for much of the game, but I'm, I guess I'm not as sold on the Lakers and Clippers and bucks, even though I still think the Lakers and Clippers and bucks will be the four, three of the four teams remaining. Obviously the one thing with uh, it's, it's interesting is Ben Simmons tweaks his knee, right? Where you start to think to yourself, wait, I, I thought that that Joel Embiid was going to be the injury plagued one. Simmons was the one who had the back back issue uh, before COVID shut things down. And now he tweaks a knee. Meanwhile, you got Embiid who doesn't seem to be happy with anybody. Such a talented team, but one that doesn't seem to have the ability to kind of get right. But dude, Embiid is so talented. Woo. So crazy talented. I do think generally in the NBA, now that you have Shake Milton playing the point who gives them a viable scoring weapon. I still like him. Obviously not nearly as much if Ben Simmons is hurt. Um, but, you know, they do have Al Horford, but it would it feels like it would kill their any chance of coming out of the East if you don't have Ben Simmons. Let me change the college basketball for a second. You know, recently there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, you have some of these Pac-12 athletes, which, you know, it's like 11 guys that come out and claimed it. You know, it, it, you, you struggle to feel like it's legitimate when there's some boycott movement and no one actually says they're willing to boycott the season. Uh, for Pac-12 players, and then the Big Ten is not really a boycott. It's thousands of players, yet there's no players that claim to be on it, and then they say it's D2 or D3 or NAIA com- combined. Look, I, I, you know, the idea that you want more, um, though I would disagree because I don't know if the American public understands how much athletes get. We all think we're entitled to everything. It's a we have an era of entitlement, right? And many of you who are college basketball coaches or ADs, you text me all the time. Thanks for keeping the good fight. We just can't say it out loud. I do think that's the problem, right? That you can't say it out loud. Like, dude, th- what guys are getting is ridiculous and compared to their actual value, what we could do, but we do it for student athlete welfare. And the whole idea is to go somewhere, be a part of something, play some hoop, and maybe have a chance to play afterwards and then play some football and have a chance to play afterwards. And then when that doesn't work out, you call on your degree and your basketball, your football family, and you, you start a second life and you do so with a leg up on everybody else. That's what it does. Meanwhile, you're not carrying the debt of college and you got into a school you couldn't get into on your own. That's like the reality of it. We've gotten so far afield from it. Like these kids are not pros. 
they don't they're, like, they're so valuable like they're not actually because anybody would step up and take that job and the the drop off is not it's not like you have lebron james you get somebody off the street who can't replace lebron james that, that that's because he's the best player one of the best players in the world over the last 30 years right the drop-off in college athletes between guys that believe it's a good trade. And it does. There's this article in San Diego Union Tribune, which is a good one, which is like at some point, colleges just go, you know what? Fuck you. This is enough. You know, the, the cost it has to recruit you, to entice you, to get you here, to, to get you into school, to train you, to coach you, to tutor you, to mentor you, to make sure you get through and you get your degree. And you like all of that. Like, it's a ridiculous cost, public or private. So, like, you can ask for all this other stuff, but somebody like, you know what, fuck you. We're not asking. There's no more. There's no more money. And right now, to ask for more money, when college coaches are getting laid off, administrators are getting laid off, there's no fans in the stands. College athletics is going to be losing hundreds of millions of dollars. You didn't put in on it, right? You just came in trying to get a degree out of high school. Like, it's a, it's a great thing to get to college, to play. But this idea that, like, hey, I'm entitled to, like, no, you're not entitled to anything. This is, we're, we're training kids the wrong way. Earn your future living based on what you do in college, both uh, scholastically and athletically. But, but I, I digress, you know. Um, I, I, from a basketball standpoint, you look at some of these players, and I think what bothers me most about the Pac-12 Players Tribune article was it starts off with this, this idea that scholarships somehow harm the black student athlete, which is a joke because in practice, in reality, they are an absolute lifeline. They are, they are a wellspring of great careers in athletics, outside of athletics that were sealed off to so many of the black community because the education level in high school, there, you know, there's education inequality. And the best way to write that is to have kids get through school, graduate, become beacons of success professionally. And then you see all these kids coming back to school and you start to realize that the reality is not what you read on social media. The reality is most guys are like, you know what? College basketball is cool. I can always be a pro. I go there. I know who I'm working with. I know I can work with. They got my back. We do the best we can. We win as many games as we can. And then we, and then we go and figure it out. So I guess what I'm encouraging you to do is to, you don't have to always have to take my word for it, but this idea of athletes being exploited, kind of silly when you see so many talented student athletes say, sign me up for another year of exploitation that I don't need because it's not really being exploited. You're being promoted, not exploited. Let's get to our interview. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in. Rob Doster joins us, of course. Uh, if you know college hoops, you know him. Um how do you, how do you want me to introduce you like these days like college basketball analyst reporter I mean like I, again I, I obviously these are tough times I'm like not in any way I just how do you like let's have like a real just talk it out how do you want me to introduce you How about a college hoops guru for hire at this point I think that's probably <laughs> the uh the the best way to phrase it Um and 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 you don't remember like this is open discussion whatever I've always wondered why you stayed at that place that long, right? Like, there you you've done this amazing job of making a name for yourself, in spite of the fact that you weren't linked to CBS and ESPN or Fox in terms of of actually having a um, a depth of college basketball, right? I, I actually that impresses me more than some of us who have you know did it right in the coattails of having all these games of content. What made you so loyal up until this point? <laughs> well, I don't know if loyalty is, is necessarily the best term because I've I've been trying to get out of there, and, and part of the reason why um, I can kind of sit here uh, two days after losing my job and, and not feel all depressed about it is because uh, I do think that this is a time where I can now really try to make a step forward that I didn't didn't necessarily go all the way after. You know, it's kind of awkward when you are interviewing for other jobs and in the mix and, and, and trying to get your name out there while also having an employer uh, that is a competitor with the places that you're talking with, right? So um, I don't think – I've been trying to move because let's call a spade a spade, right? Like NBC doesn't have uh, the content. There's no really reason for them to invest in college basketball the way that Fox and FS1 and uh, CBS Sports and ESPN, the way that they are – um, incentivized to invest in the sport. So, uh, yes, I was trying to make a move. There were places where I was in the mix. There were places where I was one of the 
the final cuts. I, I wasn't able to actually get the jobs. Uh, but now, you know, I, I feel like I can kind of go full bore after this. So uh, I'm looking at it as a blessing in disguise, and, and I'm going to go. I'm motivated. I'm fired up. I'm, I'm, I'm back to your show. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, whatever opportunity comes my way next. Um, okay, you, you grew up, didn't you grow up in the D.C. area? I grew up in Connecticut, so I grew up a big UConn fan. Where, where in Connecticut? Uh, New Haven, Connecticut, the home of Teppies and Sally's Pizza. Yeah, okay, so let's, oh, there's a bunch of things to discuss there. Okay, first, so, so they do the, the like the, um, it's like, I don't know, how, how do you, what, what's the, the Pepe's, the difference for people who don't understand. Okay, so Chicago, I've been told by Chicagoans, like the deep dish thing is really for tourists, not for real Chicagoans. There's the New York style pizza, which is these kind of long, flat, really thin pieces of pie. And then you have when you go up the road, you know, you, you take 95 up and you go to New Haven and you go to you go to Pepe's. It's like uh, what wood fired. Is that like that's the thing? It's wood fired. And then it's almost like crispy on the bottom. Yeah, they, they do the grills really, really, really hot. So it's like 700 degrees in the, the pizza ovens, and it's, um, it's actually like brick oven pizzas. They, you know, they build a big, huge brick oven within the actual restaurants themselves. And uh, the places that are there, um, Pepe's and Sally's and, and, and Modern, uh, have been there for like probably 80 or 90 years. I think they opened up in the 20s or the 30s. So it's just something that's kind of become like a cultural institution within the city and kind of around New Haven. And since they started cooking their pizzas this way, uh, it just kind of became like the local way that you do it. And and everyone that tried to open a restaurant and a pizza restaurant around there tried to copy the same style. So it just kind of became like the local specialty. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's thin crust pizza. But uh, if you are from New Haven, then you have to rep it to the death. Uh, and, and here's here's the key. This is how you know someone is really from New Haven. They don't call it okay. pizza. They call it a beats. They call it what? A beats. A beats? Yep, a beats. That's how a- you have to V-I-T-Z? A-V-I-T-Z? Is that, is that, is that my... A- a- you pronounce it like A-B-E-E-T-S. A beats. A beats. A beats. Got it. A beats. Okay, so you grew up in New Haven, which uh, is the home of Yale. Um, and uh, used to be the home of starter jackets. I don't know if it's still there. Like I, my, my uncle was in Stanford, uh, and then right before he died, he moved to Florida or whatever. So I used to spend a month to three months of the year, like staying at his house. And in like the big thing, I, I went there one, like one Christmas time. He was like, can we go to the starter, starter jacket factory? Um, and it is, my mom grew up in Bridgeport. And she, I, it's interesting. The reason I was recruited by UConn, this is summer of 94. And, um, my mom's whole thing was like, she just couldn't get past what UConn used to be, right? It used to be seen as like state college. Anybody who didn't, couldn't achieve anything just ended up at UConn. Whereas now it's actually a really good school. It's very reputable. And it's a lot of it's been built upon the reputation of the basketball program. We're recording this, by the way, the morning that UConn football announced they're not going to have a season. I joked on Twitter that, uh, yes, UConn still does have a football program, um, which is for anybody who knows UConn knows it like it's been a big thing. Like, do we just can't stop go to one double A football because it's killing basketball to be in the AAC. Now they're back in the Big East. Your first, who was the first UConn team you fell in love with? The 1996 team. The very first memory that I really have about watching college basketball and kind of watching sports in general was the uh, 1996 Big East tournament title game. 
the one where UConn was down by 11 points or three minutes left, and Ray Allen comes down and hits that off-balance floater where he may or may not have traveled. Uh, and then they go down to the other end of the floor, and um, Jerome Williams misses a couple shots at the rim. Like that, it was that team, that group that I really kind of uh, made me love basketball as a whole. And, and uh, you know, when you're from Connecticut, it's funny you mentioned football. When you're from Connecticut and you grow up a UConn fan, the two sports that you love more than anything else are men's basketball and women's basketball. I don't think, other than Dan Olavsky, just because he's now uh, the big ESPN guy, I don't think I can name a single other person that ever played football for the University of Connecticut. It just It's not something that ever registered. It's not something that people ever paid attention to. So uh, I do think that uh, I don't know how the financials work, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be this expert economist that can tell you uh, where the money's going to come from, whether or not this is good for the school or the athletic department or whatever. But uh, putting a focus and a priority on the thing that everybody within that state and all that fan base actually cares about, it just seems like the right thing to do, right? Yeah, you don't you don't have you don't carry the weight of the debt, but you don't have the upside financially. That that therein lies kind of the difference. Like they're going to make money off of women's basketball when they have fans there. They'll make a ton of money off a good amount of money off men's basketball. You make the most money off of football. The problem is to have football, you have to outlay so much in terms of resources and coaches and whatever. And now they're you know independent, so it's very you know. I mean, the real reason I think they canceled the season was they couldn't just couldn't get enough games. Um, and, you know, it just didn't make sense financially. Uh, by the way, the, the guy I remember, the, the UConn football alum that I remember is Byron Jones. Of course, uh, uh, you know, Byron Jones is, is a dude who's a stud in the NFL. But what I remember most about him was not only was he a freak athlete and was he an unbelievable interview, but he had this, uh, I think it was like a blue couch. He got draft night. Draft night, he was, he was sitting on a blue couch at home with his folks. And I was like, that's the most, like, that's the most mi- Midwestern, you know, Northeast family thing ever. It's like, you got a blue leather couch and you hate the blue leather couch. Be like, yeah, it's comfortable, whatever. It's, 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 it's ours. So I do know Byron Jones, but I agree. With you. Okay. So the 90, it's interesting. Cause my, my UConn basketball, not like I fell in love with UConn earlier in the nineties. Uh, they had Kevin Ollie he's from Southern California. I'd watched him play in high school. He was a stud and they used to, they played super, super fast. That 96 team, I actually played against, right? That was our first Big East home game was against UConn. So that team had, for people who forget, okay, Deron Sheffer was their point guard, 6'5". He was like 24 years old, senior. Ray Allen was a junior. His, he had the biggest calves I'd ever seen. Travis Knight, they had a dude named Kirk King, who I think made, I'm, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, I'm not looking this up. I think it was like 52 straight field goals in Big East play. Like he was just a bucket around. And then they had Rudy Johnson, and then off the bench, they brought those freshmen, Ross Jones and Ricky Moore. Um, and so here's my, here's my first UConn story for you. So I get home from ABCD camp in the summer of 94. I'm a rising senior. And at the time, you know, before I went to ABCD, I'd gone the year before and I was okay. Um, the only big schools to offer me were Florida, coached by Lon Kruger, and uh, Virginia, coached by Jeff Jones. And I was, into, I was like in on both. Virginia had a point guard, Harold Dean. Like that dude was had the biggest arms and shoulders I'd ever seen. Like I, I love. I, I suddenly became like I knew all about both campuses because I thought those were the best destinations I could possibly have. So I get a call from UConn, and um, uh, what was probably most interesting about the call was the juxtaposition of the assistant coach who I could understand and the head coach 
who was Jim Calhoun, who I couldn't understand. And I'm telling you, I couldn't understand a word that Beheim, who I love, by the way, now, now that I know him to this day, like I, I, I couldn't. Um, what was his name? What was the guy who was how? Uh, um, uh, I said I'm blanking his name. What was the assistant? He went. He was the head coach of George Washington uh, for a while. God, Carl Hobbs. Carl Hobbs. Yes. So Carl Hobbs calls me, and he's you know, hey, look, we play fast. We need a point guard. We got Deron Sheffer. He's a senior. You back him up for a year, then it'd be your team. Blah 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 blah. I was like, man, this is great. My, I got family in Connecticut. You know, like I love the way you play. You got a, you know, you had. Uh, you had a guy who I grew up, Kevin Ali, watching. You got all these dudes, right? Like, all this sounded great. So then he puts on uh, uh, Jim Calhoun, and, you know, he's got this hard Boston accent, and he talks really, really fast, and I can't understand what he's, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Um, okay, your memory of that UConn team outside of the Big East championship game is what? Like, what do you remember about the team, how they played? Do you remember who they lost to in the tournament, for example? I'm pretty sure that was the year they lost to Mississippi State when uh, Mississippi State was a five seed, right? Am I making that up? I think that was the year. No, they lost you, you are you are correct. Dante Jones, who ma- magically had kid's name was Dante Jones, who had like 27 credits in the summer to get eligible, some kind of magic pen sort of thing. Yeah, I, I just remember that the kid ended up being like a second round draft pick, and uh, I, I hated him forever. Eleven year old me just despising these Mississippi State basketball players uh, that I had never heard of before. Uh, but, I, I mean, I mostly just remember loving Ray Allen and loving Kirk King. And uh, I don't think I really knew what I was watching at that point, but it was the kind of thing where, um, I mean, I, I still, I, I, no joke, I still have the Ray Allen jersey that I got at the time when I was an 11-year-old somewhere in the back of one of my closets. And it's one of the things that you just can't get rid of. You know, the, the first, I feel like the first sports team that you fall in love with is the one that is kind of going to set whatever your fandom is uh, for the rest of your life. And, you know, I'll be honest, like, Watching that team is probably the reason why I chose the career that I did. Um, but you didn't go to UConn, right? Didn't you go to Vassar? Yeah, I did not go to UConn. My, my choices came down to a bunch of Division three programs and then Northeast, Vassar, Skidmore, Conn College, um, Wesleyan, all, all schools like that, or uh, to go play basketball or go to UConn and uh, just be a regular student. And um, I eventually made the decision I wanted to play Division three basketball. And, uh, you know, it... It worked out. I, I just so many great memories from you know being on those teams and, and guys that I'm, I'm friends with still to this day. Uh, so it's, I think it ended up being the right decision. I I would agree. Like I think go somewhere and play it changes your entire college experience. Um, okay, so Vassar College, D three hoop. Um, it's in Poughkeepsie. I've only seen pictures. It looks beautiful, by the way. Maybe that's just the main building. What, what, what is it? No, the, what the is campus it like? is gorgeous. The, the town of Poughkeepsie is uh, is not. Okay, I mean that's that's a lot of college towns, right? I mean, you know, Notre Dame's like that. Um, I mean, nobody goes like, "Man, you got to live in South Bend." But then you go to Notre Dame, you're like, "Wow, this is like walking around in a museum at times in some of those some of those buildings." Um, okay, so you show up. Who's your Who's your coach at Vassar? His name was Mike Dutton, and he was there for probably fifteen years before I got there, and another five years. Uh, after I left, he was just one of those guys that hung around forever, and everybody associated uh, Vassar College basketball with Mike Dutton. What was his coaching style like? <laughs> uh, it was he. he um, <laughs> you watch The Office, right? Yeah. 
Steve Carell. Like, if you want to, yeah. you want to kind of uh, compare him to somebody. He was. We we joked that he was kind of like um, Steve Carell from The Office. A great guy, friendliest guy in the world. Uh, not the most um, charismatic person. Like, I, I got a couple stories. There was one game where uh, he had to get. Um, I think it was it was uh, the the laser surgery on his eyes, and yeah, so he and for. Uh, for like three games, he wasn't allowed to have sunlight directly hit his eyes, but he didn't want to wear the sunglasses. So he just coached with a, a Vassar baseball hat on his head for something like two weeks. Um, there was another game where uh, he didn't want to eat the pregame meal, but he got hungry during the game, so he whipped an apple out of his pocket and was just sitting there on the sideline uh, coaching while eating an apple. So um, he, <laughs> he uh, there's there's plenty more stories uh, like that, but that was kind of the guy that he was, you know, very much like Steve Carell, awkward. Um, and uh, doesn't really know how to interact with people the right way. That's funny. Um, your okay. Your first year was what was what year was it? Was it oh three or oh two? Two thousand three, uh, two thousand two, two thousand three, um, and I was there until two. Oh, no, two thousand three, two thousand four, and I was there until two thousand eight. I took the five year plan in college. Okay, so uh, and then by the way, that was that was Dutton's last year, right? Because then he went. Then Dell Harris took over, which is like I can't believe I didn't even know Dell Harris coached to Vassar. How do you go from coaching the Lakers? Is it the same Del Harris? No, it was so. So here's here's the funny thing. It was a it was a different Del Harris. But when we saw he was getting hired, we we're like, how how are we in the mix for Del Harris? And then we find out it's a it's a completely different guy. But that that was everyone's reaction as well. They go, oh man, the program is really looking up. We now we got the old uh, old Lakers coach. Nope, not him. I think we got him from Morgan State. Yeah. What? What? You, you had a your second year was a five and twenty year. What, what was that one like? <laughs> not very good, man. It was not a lot of fun. Yeah, um, but you guys turned. You guys turned there, around. It, yeah. It, so the, my recruiting class and the recruiting class after me were the ones that kind of changed uh, what Vassar was for probably um, a good three to four year stretch. There was a year where we made it to the conference tournament title game. There was a year where we finished second in the league. Uh, we had a couple guys that were a year younger than me. That they, I mean, they shouldn't have been playing Division three basketball. Like they weren't. Uh, they weren't Duncan Robinson or anything like that, but if you were to put those guys on like a, an Ivy League roster or a Patriot League roster, they would have been able to to thrive. So that's really what it ended up being was, you know, I was just kind of the the sixth, seventh, eighth man that was out there to just go fire up a bunch of threes. Um, that was kind of my job and my role. But uh, the other guys that they brought in were, I mean, they were they were just good, man, and and um, they kind of built the program into something that uh, it probably hadn't been in the past. So you get done at, at Vassar, then what? <laughs> That's where it gets fun. So um, I ended up getting a job in D.C. on K Street for some lobbyist firm, uh, sitting at a desk, answering phones, making like, I don't know, it was like 30 grand a year or something, not enough to, to really be able to pay rent in, uh, in D.C. And I just, I hated it. I, I was absolutely miserable every single day. So what I did was at my desk, since all I did was literally sit there and answer phones, I just started my own my own blog on blogspot.com um, and called it Balling as a Habit. Uh, decided after doing one season of that that I wanted to find a way to make this full-time. So I quit my job. Uh, I ended up bartending at a place two blocks from the Smith Center where GW plays in D.C. and uh, decided to try to make it as a college basketball writer. Within three years, I was freelancing for NBC Sports and Sports Illustrated, by 2013, I was at NBC Sports full time, and uh, seven years later, they fired me. So that's <laughs> that's kind of how it all ended up working out. You know, I, I would say that it was 
um, that I was lucky, but uh, I just I feel like I put in the work to to get where I was. You know, there were there were a lot of sleepless nights when we kind of first got started running the site, but. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't wouldn't change it for anything in the world, man. I, I got that. I tell people all the time, you know, I I have the best job in the world because I never actually have to work. You know, I just watch and talk about basketball every single day. So uh, there's a lot of things that could be um, worse about the situation that I'm in right now. Yeah, I mean that's it, it's the I, I've done that when I speak at, at basketball camps. How many of you lo- guys love basketball? How many of you guys play basketball? How many of you guys get paid to talk about basketball? And I'm like the only one with a hand up in the in the gym. It's 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 so much fun. And you're a ball guy. Like I've uh, I love reading to and listening to your work. So it's out of complete respect. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Let's let, let's get to like stuff of the day. Uh, first thing is, you think we're going to have a season? Oh, man, I really hope so. I, I just at this point, man, I, between a pandemic and losing my job, like I, I need something to bring me up, and I need a uh, college basketball season. But this is kind of the way that I've thought about it and thought about the years that I, I'm just putting myself in the frame of mind where it's not going to happen, and, and I'm thinking and, and kind of looking forward to the season like it's not going to happen. So that when we get something, 
I'm excited about it, right? Like, I don't want to be the, the guy that's like, oh, man, we're not getting uh, non-conference play. Like, what's the point of even playing the season? I want to be the guy that's excited when they say, you know what, you're going to get a 12-game uh, Big Ten schedule. Everyone's going to play each other once, and it's going to be in a neutral site, and kids aren't going to be allowed on campus, but we're going to try to make sure that we get these games in. And uh, I just I want to be excited about actually getting something and, and have something to look forward to. So that's the way that I'm looking looking at it at this point. But I just – it's hard because, I, you know, honestly, I feel like the, the biggest danger when it comes to um, spreading the virus is not going to be the actual sports themselves. It's not going to be the practices. It's not going to be the interactions with the team. Like the NBA, the MLS, the Premier League, the, the European Soccer League, they're proving that if you do things the right way, you can actually have sports and you can do it without spreading the virus. The, the concern to me is going to be what happens if and when these kids are like on a college campus because that's, that's going to end up being where uh, this thing kind of goes crazy, right? Like how many – think about when you were in college, though, because I, I know that I would not have – 19, 20-year-old me would not have been very good at listening to uh, protocols that the CDC put about, about not partying and uh, social distancing and doing all that kind of – I, I was an idiot when I was 19. I would have been out there and, and – uh, I would have been spreading the virus, and I probably would have gotten it. So um, I, I do think it's the kind of thing where being a student is much more dangerous than being a student athlete. But I don't know how you can have them be student athletes, you know, with, with amateurism and all that, when the reason that they're actually playing these games and, and putting themselves at whatever risk they're going to be at is simply because these schools need to be able to make the money and the athletic departments need that injection of income to be able to function the right way. So it's just, it, it, it's well, a very, very difficult spot to be put in. There's a couple things here. Um, well, the first is, and I kind of knew this, but I didn't know the depths to it. The first thing is, I didn't realize how many guys at play take almost all online classes anyway. And, um, you know, this, this kind of goes back when, when Travis Ford got fired at, at Oklahoma State and uh, they hired Brad Underwood. I was, I was trying to advise the athletic director and trying to get some a little bit of feel for what was missing, right? Because the, the problem, one of the big problems there is like, look, you got a really small town, but you need, you need the students to show up. You need, it, when I was there, it, there was very much a feeling like we were one of the students and they showed up and they had our back and we had footballs back and whatever. There was just kind of a, so I was trying, I was doing like a little research in terms of like, why, why is everybody so down on the basketball program? You know, like Travis is not a bad guy and they, they, the players aren't bad guys. Obviously I win enough, but there's, it was kind of more to it than that. And they were like, you know, I, I, and I was talking about how like, you know, after you, you beat OU, like nothing like going to class the next day and getting out of boys. And I talked to the academic advisor and she was like, these kids, they don't go to, they don't want to be on campus. They just, they want to be in the gym. Like they're, they're so trained to be in the gym that they, they take online classes and they're, they're barely students. So the first thing is there is a bit of a misconception in how much things have changed in terms of being online. Second of all, like as long as they're taking class online or whatever, I don't actually think that matters in terms of representing the school. They, they already are representing the school. Um, the, the the difference obviously is the fans. The third part is yes, the money is a factor, but suddenly we've become this thing that's like only only money for college basketball or college football is a negative. Like 
the only reason they're having school this year is because the, all of it works based upon money. Right? The whole thing works based upon money. It's the same reason that when you're in elementary school, they want you to show up, you know, and they, until 1030 because they get money from the state for every kid that they have. Right. So I, I don't when we see, when you say it's about money, there becomes this. Well, it's only about money and evil forces at play. Like, no, nah, not really. It's still hoop. And you, I actually think on some of this, like if you're playing in an empty gym, it's much better in preparing yourself for playing minor league or overseas hoop when you, you don't always feed off the energy in the building. You, you got to learn to just go out and, and hoop. So, uh, but, but do we have it? Here's, here's the big thing holding it back. Okay? You're well, right. There's, just, it's, there's one thing that I, did, that I do want to add to that is that I think regardless of what the, the money coming in would be, like whether or not these guys are getting paid, I think all of these college kids – want to go out and play, right? Like, Well, maybe not all of them, but most of them want to go out and play because yes. they know that their path to making basketball a career is going out and proving what they can do at the college level. And I also think it's important to note that like, we're seeing a lot of the guys withdraw from the draft in the past. Like, if this was a year ago and we didn't have to worry about a pandemic and we knew that the G League was going to happen and we knew what the overseas market was going to look like, I don't think that Jared Butler's coming back to school. I don't think that Ayodele is coming back to school. I don't think that Trendon Wofford's coming back to school. I think it's it's a very different discussion in terms of the players that actually withdraw and keep their name in the draft and, and, and go and, and turn pro because there are so many question marks about what – the, the professional landscape is going to look like and what the employment landscape is going to look like for professional athletes and professional basketball players that when you say, okay, we can make sure that you're going to have a place to live, we can make sure that you're going to have access to a gym that you know is safe, we can make sure that you're going to have a meal plan, we can make sure that you're going to get your stipend, we can make sure that you're going to get all this, that, and the third, like that becomes a very secure option. And, and, and that's why, like, I, I don't think that Jared Butler is going back to Baylor because... Uh, he has anything else to prove, or he doesn't think that he's good enough to be uh, a professional basketball player at this point. You know, he could have been uh, a second-round pick. If you picked in the top 45, you're probably going to get a guaranteed NBA contract. But the problem is that there is no security. There's no way that you can say, I know the G League is going to happen. I have that at the very least to fall back on. We don't know what two-way contracts are necessarily going to look like next year. So the security of getting like, the, uh, the bare minimum or whatever the, these uh, – these amateurs are able to get right now is something that was actually appealing to them. So I do think that that's important to point out that the the structure of college basketball itself is something that kind of gives these guys uh, a place where they can go for a year before they can actually go and start their professional careers. Um, the, the, the other part is this, and I talked to a college coach this weekend and he was like, we, we were basically, he was agreeing with everything you're saying, which is like, yeah, the problem is I can't control what they do when they're not in my basketball in inside the basketball facility. And to go along with that, now I carry the liability to it. You know, like if they're at home and they get sick, granted they might not get the same treatment they get here, you know, it might not get tested like they would here, but it's also not on my watch. You know, and I think that's the big fear for administrators and coaches is like, you know, like I, I I mean, and one of the things that's a misconception is people think if you sign away a, a liability waiver, it waives liability. It doesn't. They they don't actually hold up in court. Um, you're still gonna be, you still can be liable if a guy gets sick and doesn't get proper care or whatever. 
But I, I think the liability is a, is a big thing. Okay, so speaking of the guys, who is actually in the – this is the weird – it actually, like, this is, a, this is kind of a it, – it is a cruel thing to say, but I'm not sure. Like, it's bad for the sport we didn't have an NCAA tournament because it brings such passion to it. But if there was ever a year in which you're like, you know, we could skip this year, it was last year because there was so many, like, unknown players. Now, they would have made names for themselves during the – during during the tournament, but it does give us a chance to kind of reload, refocus. Wasn't a great freshman class. They didn't have this great impact. So you're like, oh, one and done. Zion Williamson, he's going to be a stud. Can't wait for the NBA draft. So Jared Butler's come back. Luca Garza's coming back. Um, you know, there's a good portion of players who's actually in the NBA draft. Cole Anthony, right for one, he's one. Wiseman's another one. Who else am I missing in terms of the guys that we should pay attention to? Um, I, I do think that Obi Toppin is a very interesting name to me because I think he's a guy that can have as much of an impact next season as just about anybody in, in, in the draft. I think that I would say that he's maybe the favorite to win Rookie of the Year, even though I don't like I would never take him with the number one overall pick because I think his uh, his ceiling as a player is very limited. But I do think he's a guy that I would call the favorite to win Rookie of the Year next year, depending on where he lands because. I think when you look at the way that he plays and his skill set and the and the shooting and, and what he can do kind of as a passer in the short roles, he just fits perfectly with um, ball screen offenses as a big guy, right? And that's basically what NBA teams want to do these days. And, you know, I, I have very real questions about what he's going to be defensively. You know, he doesn't really move his feet. He's kind of got high hips. I don't think that he's going to ever be a guy that is going to bully people down low. But if you can tell me that he's going to average like 13-6 next year and shoot like 35% from three, I think that in this draft class, that might be enough to get you Rookie of the Year. So Obi Toppin is a guy that I'm excited about seeing in the NBA. Yeah, my, my thing with Obi Toppin is, obviously he can be a stretch five, right? Or just some sort of four or five. I just, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think there's a lower ceiling, but I do think that he's much more refined you know, as opposed to some of these other players that there's going to be two or three years before you're seeing the type of production that he can likely give you immediately. I just don't know, you know, like, I don't feel like he's not like an NBA all-star. He could be, be, be a good player, be a really good player. Um, okay, so then we, we, have, we have Sadiq Bey. Um, who, so who do you like in terms of upside? Of course, you have, um, you have Mellow Ball, who's, you know, everybody... I. Look, I, I, his size and his vision um, are impressive. I would point out that he shot like 25 from three and 34 from the field. And we kind of got caught up in watching highlights. And he, you're going to have to teach him how to play defense. But he does have and, – and if his body fills out the way that his brother's filled out, where like Zoe, he could become a, a big-time athlete. Now all of a sudden you got a six foot seven big-time athlete. But the shooting is problematic, although guys usually shoot better once they become NBA players. The defense is problematic, although you would think that you know, his brother's a great defender, so he can kind of figure it out. Let's, let's start with Mellow Ball. Where are you on Mellow? So I watched every single game that he played in Australia. I, I went on that deep dive. I had time to kill. Uh, in, in May when we were locked down. So I watched every single game that Lamella played. And I, I think that you're 100% right about the shooting. Like, he's got this weird release where it's kind of a push shot, and both of his hands are on the ball, and he doesn't have great shot selection as it is. So that's definitely, like, the number one concern, concern for me. Defensively, like, I would say 
50% of his struggles on that end of the floor were just effort. Like, I don't think that he really cared all that much defensively. I, I swear, Doug, you can go through, and there are like five or six clips where he's just kind of standing there on the weak side of the floor, wiping the bottom of his shoes, looking off into space as there's a, a ball screen and a guy rolling to the rim where he should be there as the help man. He should be there as the tagger. But no, he's not. He's just kind of staring off into space and, and not really paying attention. And I don't know if that's something that changes when he gets to the NBA, but I do think that when you put him in an NBA organization where maybe he has uh, someone to answer to that isn't necessarily his father or his manager or somebody that kind of uh, facilitated the deal to get him to the NBA, uh, I think it's something where he might be held a little bit more accountable. So I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, bullish on him defensively because, like you said, look at the way that his brother has developed. I think he's in an NBA strength and conditioning program. Maybe he gets a little quicker, a little stronger. I also think it's important to know he's – uh, I, I believe he just turned 19 years old, but he's one of the younger kids in the draft, so um, he's still like a late bloomer, right? Like, what was he, 6'2 as a freshman, maybe smaller than that? So um, I like him. I love the potential. I think that it's also a situation where, like, there's going to be no middle ground. Either LaMelo Ball ends up being an all-star, or he's a guy that we look back in five years and be like, remember when he had all that hype? There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Yeah, I, I'm, I struggle with the, the lack of, of desire on any level to play defense. 
You know, now I, I talked to an NBA head coach who told me once, he's like, look, especially at point guard, like it, it, that's why they play. They'll play like one on one in workouts. They, they want to find out a kid's level of competitiveness, because when you get to the NBA, if you can't guard anybody, they know it and they're just going to go right at you and, and try and embarrass you. And so I guess my question, though, is like, all right, well, if he wasn't playing defense as a professional in Australia, and you give him a bunch of money and you make him the number one or one of the top overall picks, why does that change? Um, I, I don't know if it does. I mean, that's, that's the big concern. You kind of you have to like get inside of his head, and, and it's a psychological thing, and I don't know if anyone knows that other than LaMelo Ball. So if you're drafting him that high, you have to understand that it comes with that risk that maybe he never, ever wants to play defense, and, and that just might be who he is. But um, I also think that if you're going to kind of take a big swing uh, on a player with a ton of potential. And I think we can both agree that LaMelo Ball, if it all comes together for him, um, yeah. probably has as much potential as anybody in this draft. It might as well be this year where, like, uh, James Wiseman's fine, but I, I don't think that he's ever going to be an NBA All-Star. I think Anthony Edwards uh, is going to be somewhere between, like, a, a Tyreek Evans and, um, you know, case scenario, maybe a guy that, that averages 20 points a game, but he's also never really been on winning teams. He's never been a guy, like his reputation is basically what happened in that Michigan State game in Maui. He gets down big in the first half, he has this massive second half, they still end up losing, but he has all these great stats and these great highlights. So, if you're gonna, if there's gonna be a year where you just uh, take to go for the home run, swing for the fences, and, and take a guy that's either gonna be great or total bust, it might as well be the year where there really isn't but anybody, like there's no Zion in this year's class, right? There's no one. There's no job Morant. There's no one that everyone's saying. Yeah, he's uh, guaranteed to be a top fifteen player in the NBA uh, three years down the road. It just, you know, it kind of is what it is in this year's class. So if you're gonna if you're gonna roll the dice, it might as well be this season. Uh, okay, let's 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 dial back to college. Um, let's talk about UConn. They're back in the Big East, which eventually, when we get fans back, is a huge win. You know, the the biggest problem with the AAC is all the coaches hate the league, right? And rightfully so, because you can't, no matter how, and, and people think, well, the league was good. The league was good, but it's really hard if you're a UConn to say like, hey, instead of having Georgetown or Syracuse or Nova, you know, come into the, the Civic Center or come into stores where you get fired up or even St. John's and all this historic thoughts and matchups and memories. Now we're going to bring South, well, we're going to bring East Carolina or we're going to bring Tulane. You know, and and, you know, even Wichita State, as good as they've been recently, like it's not like anybody in stores is sitting there going like, man, circle that Wichita State game. Can't wait till that one comes to comes to Hartford. I will do everything to go down to the Civic Center for that one. Right. So n- now you're kind of back. Look, it's not the same Big East. You know, there is there's Creighton and you know, DePaul's, you know, was a kind of a was a Big East member when it was expanded, whatever. You know, there's some other kind of stragglers in there. You know, Butler is a great program, but not a traditional Big East program, but it has a big enough name. I, I think, like, of the programs that can make the biggest jump back to relevance, UConn is probably the most likely because you have an excellent coach who knows the area, who's going to do a great job in recruiting. The kids, he'll, they'll fucking be tough or he'll run them off. And you have, now you're back in the Big East when, where eventually when you have fans back, It'll it'll become a a much more difficult place to play. What are your thoughts on UConn on the program now and on the trajectory based upon all of those factors? I I love being back in the Big East. I think that it is something that absolutely had to happen for the program. Um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. There's no reason 
to get excited about watching UConn play like SMU. Even seeing UConn play Memphis is just kind of like, oh, that's a fun matchup if we did it every other year and, and not a conference play. It's not something that you want to see twice a season. So that definitely tampered down fan enthusiasm. And when you combine that with the end of the Kevin Ali era where they just were not very good and weren't playing uh, basketball that was appealing to watch and, and weren't winning games, it's just kind of, uh, you know, they land that thing into the ground. So um, I am glad that they're coming back. One of the things that I think is really important, too, is that the Big East as a whole, like you don't really have, the poll's never great, but you don't really have the, the, the bottom of the conference that you have in the AAC. Like Tulane's numbers are always going to bring everything down in that conference as a whole. Uh, the same thing with East Carolina. Like the bottom of the AAC drags down all the computer numbers for everybody that has to play all of those teams. The reason why all the metrics say that the Big 12 is always the best conference in college basketball is because you have 10 teams and every one of those teams is at the very least good. Like the minimum is what? You're going to have a team that wins six games and they're going to pick off some of the best teams at home, right? So you, you, you don't have the bottom of the conference that brings down all of the computer numbers. The Pac-12 is dealing with this a little bit as well. You know, when Cal is terrible and Washington State is terrible and the bottom of the league just uh, it looks terrible on Ken, Ken Palm and uh, the RPI and the net, whatever metric it is that you're using, it brings everything down and it makes them much harder for you to be able to get uh, an at-large bid. So just everything about being in the Big East, I think is great for UConn when compared to the American. The problem now is, you know, Danny's really got to get this thing going, right? When you're in the American and you're struggling, you can say, okay, I've only been here two seasons. Okay, i got to get my guys in here. Okay, it's the American. we got the Big East change coming. we got to, we got to be able to make these changes, right? And, and now you're in the Big East. you got James Booknight coming back, who I think is going to be a guy that can be a first-team ball Big East player. Uh, maybe a first-round pick down the road. You have all these recruits coming in. Uh, now is the time that you actually have to start proving it on the court. And you know, they got unlucky a couple times in the, in last season. You know, I think they had three double overtime losses, uh, four losses in OT overall. So they weren't quite what their record showed. I think they were better than their record. Um, but I do think that now is the time where you, you you can't just say that we have hype and we have momentum. Now you have to start getting results. And I think that they're going to get them, but uh, that's easier said than done. It is easier said than done. I would actually say that the the one benefit they're going to run is uh, the Georgetown thing doesn't seem to have worked. I mean, he had mass, you know, he had all those issues last year and the mass defections. Um, you know, you lose. You're basically your team's built around um, a backcourt of two sophomores. You start the second they walk in the door, and then they're both gone by year's end. And then you have St. John's and. Look, I think Mike Anderson's a really good coach. I just, and I think generally that style can work, but I it just, you know, it's a, it's a weird fit at St. John's. It just is. Um, so when you have as much as I would agree, and then you still, and DePaul's still a mess, right? They got off to a hot start and they're still kind of a mess. And now I'm not sure what's left. I, I think it's, it's a pretty, it's an easier entry point this year than it would have been last year or the year before in the Big East. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And you know, I, I do kind of feel bad for uh for Pat Ewing a little bit because I, I thought that that team was like I thought that was the year that he was going to take the the leap at Georgetown, right? Like uh, I really do like James McKenzie, even though he kind of has maybe there's some like personality issues. I know that they definitely clashed with uh with with Coach Ewing, but uh, you, you put a Kinjo out there with some of the talent that they had on the wings. Mac McClellan has got maybe he never plays defense, but he's fun to watch. And he can go get a bucket. So I thought the last year was going to be the year where they kind of took the leap, and so, then so you know, so what, ha- what happened? 
Like, like what happened? Uh, like, did uh, Kinjo, like, because, again, you know, I'm in California covering it, right? And I didn't have a Georgetown game last year. But, you know, the assumption I, I made was, like, that Akinjo was jealous of Mac McClung and the fact that he didn't have to play defense and he shot the ball all the time. So then it becomes Mac McClung's team, but then he leaves at the end of the year. What the hell happened? So I, the part of it was that um, what I was told with Akinjo and Ewing is that they, they really just did not get along. And it got it reached a breaking point where uh, they just decided that they were going to go their separate ways. That happened at the same time that um, another player, and I'm blinking on his name, but another player ended up transferring out at the same time. I say transferring out. I think they were more or less uh, booted off the team. Um, and then as soon as the, these guys start transferring, reporters like me start saying, wow, that's weird. They're transferring in the middle of November uh, when you have two guys or maybe the two, um, uh, you know, the, the, the starting point guard and another guy that was starting on the wing. Uh, they're transferring out of the program. Maybe I should just search some, some databases in D.C. to see if anyone had arrested, if anyone has court cases. And all of a sudden you see these things about harassment and um, the restraining orders are filed against three players on the roster. Uh, those guys all end up leaving. And then I think what happened with Mac McClung is that he kind of saw the writing on the wall. He, uh, he had a foot injury that I don't know if was uh, he believes was treated the right way because he kept re-injuring it and would play and sat out and played and sat out. So um, I think that he saw a chance to kind of get out from a program that wasn't going to get any better, uh, maybe get eligible immediately at somewhere else that had a little bit more promise. And, you know, obviously Texas Tech, I think, is a what, top 15, top 20 program at minimum at this point. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think that that's kind of what happened with him. But it all it all went downhill when they asked uh, kids to leave the program and, and you know did it knowing that there were publicly accessible databases that said that these kids were facing uh, restraining orders and then had harassment charges against them. Yeah, but it's like one of those things. That, what are you going to do? You're going to keep the guy in the program, then it looks bad, right? You you, you know you run the guy off. Alexander and uh, and uh, what's it? Myron Gardner were the two guys involved in that. Um, Josh LeBlanc. There's, there's the other name. Yes. I finally get it yes. now, right? Yeah, LeBlanc's super talented kid too. Like very, it wasn't for for lack of lack of lack of talented. Um, okay, let's let, let's let's change gears here for a second. Uh, you wanted to talk about top rom coms. Is that really what you want? You want to talk about top <laughs> rom coms movies of all time? Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big rom com guy. So I told what you, is, what, what is your what is about. what is your go to? So my my favorite of all time is How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. I think that it is the classic. It is the standard bearer for the best romantic comedies that you can put out there. Matthew McConaughey is great. You can't even tell that he has a Texas accent of that. Kate Hudson is great. The only problem with that movie, and I want to see if you picked up on this, is that uh, when they're obviously doing this all for the NBA Finals, they do game one, game two, are both at Madison Square Garden, game three on the row, and then game four is back at home. That just doesn't make any sense. That never happens in the NBA. That's not realistic. So uh, that's my one problem with the movie. And when Harry Met Sally doesn't doesn't do it for you, it's too old. Is it? It doesn't stand up. Is a little, little old school for me, you know. That was uh, I had to watch that. Part, part of it is you have to understand. So like back then, back then, Meg Ryan was was top notch, right? Like she was that that was it was like oh, there's Meg Ryan and then there's everybody else, right? It's Meg Ryan and Julia Roberts, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s, and so you had you know Notting Hill, um, you know, My Best Friend's Wedding. Sleepless in Seattle, Pretty Woman. I don't know if that's a rom-com. Pretty Woman, like, you know, the, the problem is with the Richard Gere story, but, you know, Pretty Woman, and she's incredible in that one. Uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, that's a good one. Um, but uh, 
the proposal is actually pretty good as well? Yes, that is good. You know, the most underrated, I think, uh, romantic comedy actress is probably Cameron Diaz. You look at her track record. What happens? Uh, what happens in Vegas with Ashton Kutcher was great. The Holiday with Jack Black, and uh, that that was that was fantastic. I actually just watched that the other night. So Cameron Diaz. Uh, there, there's something about Mary, all-time classic. Uh, as good as it, classic, as good as it gets. As good as it gets. Yep. Just classic. So, I, to me, I think she's the most underrated. She doesn't get enough credit for how good she is as a romantic comedy actress. Uh, it's also knocked up. It's a good one as, as well. Um, oh, great, okay, great movie. Uh, okay, I know you did Goodman's podcast. Did you talk beer on Goodman's podcast? Uh, we did a little bit. I, I told him he asked me if I never get another job. Well, he basically said uh, he doesn't think I'm going to get another job. So, what, what's my next career? I told him I'm going to open a craft beer store. Uh, um, okay, and where would you open it? In New Haven. Uh, I don't know, man. That's a good question. So my, my idea, and, and tell me what you think about this business plan. Okay. So you know how every time on the East Coast when you drive to the beach, there's a, like one random county road that everybody has to drive down to be able to get to the actual beach itself, right? And you know how every time you drive down that road, you always see that one guy on the side of the road that has like the random smoker that's making ribs and brisket and pulled pork, and you could pull over and uh, you spend five bucks and you get more food than you can actually eat. So what I want to do is I want to be that random guy on the side of the road heading towards the beach uh, with, with, the, with the smoker, making the ribs, making the pulled pork, making the brisket. And I also happen to have behind me a store that has craft beer, that has a butcher shop, that has anything that you could ever need when you're going to the beach, to a beach house to be able to go celebrate. So if every, that's, maybe that's just my retirement plan, but that's what I want to do one day. So if you want to be an investor, I'm looking for him, Doug. Yeah, I just I don't know if that how profitable that is, right? Uh, that that feels like living out <laughs> the back of your truck, sort of, sort of sort of profitability, right? Like, I don't I don't know if you can go with a degree from Vassar College and a stellar career as a college <laughs> basketball writer and analyst too. Like, hey, he's the IPA guy who sells it out of the back of his truck. Like, that's a good side gig, uh, but I don't know if that's a good that that's that's a main gig sort of thing, right? It's, it's, they, it's my the, retirement. The, 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 right? the LeBron I'm not, I'm thing. Years old, I got nothing else going on. All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like IPAs. I don't like the taste. I like Mexican beer. I just I've, yeah, I've tried nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with nothing wrong with a good Corona on a hot day. A little bit of lime. You, you wonder what my trick is? I put a little bit of salt in the Corona. Is that weird? Sure. No, no. But now you got to you got to go deeper. You got to go Modelo. You got to go Dos Equis. You got to go Tecate. You got to try all the different varieties of the Mexican beer because the Corona. You know, it's not quite the Taco Bell of Mexican foods, but it's 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 like Chipotle. It's there's a little Chipotle to it of, of Mexican beer, right? That's that's really how it's how it's viewed in the in the Mexican beer community. Mexican beer community. Yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a big Tecate guy because uh, where I grew up, you get it in like the 24 ounce cans. So I used to get 24 ounce cans of Tecate. That was my move. Yeah, we used to do. Uh, I, you know, maybe this has hurt my love for beer. Is we used to do forty ounces of uh, of St. Ives or whatever, and that that was that's probably why I don't like beer that much. Is that's what I grew up like? Oh, let's go get a forty, which is just disgusting, <laughs> right? It's not. Oh, no, it's, it, the, it's the absolute worst, man. I, I can't believe some of the stuff that that we used to drink back in the day. I can't believe that I actually put my body. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. My boy Phil Hickey, who is my teammate at, uh, at Notre Dame, his dorm room, Dylan Hall, they were 40s at 4 on Fridays. And they used to just have, uh, they, they used to have 40 ounces. You go in there, you pay them 5 bucks, they give you a 40. And guys would just pound a 40 of beer. It was just, it's just the worst. God, like, ugh between your breath and the hangover and just the feeling of it, just, just awful. Um, give me an NBA yeah, but not player. A, not a bad business model for him. $5 for a 40. Not, not bad. He probably made a little bit of profit on that. But there's definitely a lot of profit on it. I think they were like two ninety nine at the time. I think they were two ninety nine. you know, so, you know, you, you, you have, you know, you're making $2 of profit. You sell a hundred of them and literally they could have, they could, they could move a hundred of them in a, in a, in a all, all boys dorm. All men's dorm. Um, and I, I don't want to throw him under the bus. I don't think he committed NCAA violation. Let's just say his roommate got all the profits. That's, let's, just, let's just do it that way. <laughs> That's a Notre NBA, Dame business education coming come play. No, no, no doubt. Give me an NBA player who's a star who you were wrong about. NBA player who's a star that I was wrong about. I didn't think Devin Booker was going to be as good as he ended up being. You know, what is he the top? top eight score in the NBA right now. I, I thought that when he was a lottery pick, I was like, <laughs> yeah, there's no way that that's going to end up working out. I also thought Scalabissier was going to be able to figure things out when he got to the NBA. And, you know, that doesn't look too smart right now. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I did like Devin Booker. And it's interesting, you bring up the youth of Melo Ball. Like, he was the youngest guy in the draft. And... It's a hard one, right? It's like one of those things where like the shooting numbers were just not good in college. But if you watch him shoot, you're like, well, he can really shoot. 
I did like Devin Booker. Obviously, everybody picks out my my Steph Curry, who I just thought Steph Curry needed more time to develop. I just I didn't think he could play. I had no idea you could one that he was be, would become as good as he's become, and two you could play the way he plays in the NBA. That we hadn't had that before. So it's uh, like I'll be self critical and think. I think my last my last draft column I said like I think his his upside is like Jeff Hornacek, really good player who can play the point, can play the two, can make shots. Obviously, I was massively wrong for a guy who was the first ever unanimous MVP. Uh, but I, I didn't know anybody could play that way and be this successful. I mean, I, I think you can be forgiven for not predicting that a player is going to change what the actual NBA looks like and change what people consider the modern NBA. You know, it's it's one thing when uh, when when someone um, it, it's obvious they're going to be able to fit into the NBA a certain way. I don't think it's you can predict that somebody's going to change the way that basketball is played uh, at the highest level. And it's also like. It's part of the reason why I think that the draft is so hard to project and, and why you see so many of these guys just kind of come out of, I don't want to say nowhere, but like, like a Kawhi Leonard, you know, right? Like I think Kawhi and Steph kind of get put in the same conversation for me because they're both just insane workers, right? And they put in the effort to get to the point that they are. And it's not like they have necessarily, uh, when they were coming out, the, the ability that, that made you say, okay, that guy is a surefire star, but... Um, if you find someone that is a worker like that that's going to put in the hours in the gym, uh, you know, I think that's something, especially when they're they're maybe young for their age, they're young for their grade. It's something that I think uh, needs to needs to be looked at a little bit more when you're when you're one of these draft guys. Um, uh, do you like watching James Harden play basketball? No, I don't. the The Rockets are my least favorite team to watch in the NBA. I just I, I can't I can't do it. I, I appreciate his skill set, but it's not when I want to sit down and watch a basketball game. Like I don't want to just watch James Harden do the things that he does. Yeah, what's crazy is there's a lot of what he does that you love, right? Like he's actually a great passer, he's a very good ball handler, unbelievable shot maker. It's not for lack of talent, you know. It's just the way in which they and like now they're using Russell Westbrook as like a small ball five or a pick and roll guy catching it like in the keyhole and making plays like. I, I, I love a lot of Russell Westbrook and how at times hard he plays and competes and wants to win, but it's just a tough watch for me in terms of, man, I really love the way that, whereas I like the way Toronto plays, even if I don't think Toronto's nearly as good as the other teams. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat, right? It's just, it feels like all you're doing is watching uh, James Harden take his turn, go one-on-one, and then uh, Russell Westbrook take his turn, him go one-on-one, and it's just, it's not... It's, it's not palatable for me. It's not the style that I like to watch. Uh, I think that anybody can see what he does and appreciate just how good he is as a basketball player. It doesn't mean that it's the kind of thing that I want to watch for, uh, for two and a half hours on a Tuesday night. Uh, okay, last, the very, very last thing. I promise, very last thing. Um, five years from now, Rob Dowser's where? Five years from now, Rob Doster is a is working for Fox Sports One covering the Big East, uh, and him and Doug Gottlieb have the number one podcast in all of sports. I like it. I like it. <laughs> good, good, good sale at the end. All right, listen. I'm. I don't know if there's limbs outside that you need to pick up with the hurricane that goes like Connecticut's always got bizarre weather, right? Like we had a Halloween that was canceled because the snow came down on the uh, early, and then it down the power lines. That was. That was like 12 years ago. That was right before I'm, uh, or yeah, eight years ago, right before we moved out. Uh, there's hurricanes that go through there. There's hot spells. But once you get to September 1st, until 
I think Thanksgiving, it's pretty much the prettiest place on earth. There are good things on your horizon because everybody likes you. Unlike me, everybody likes you. So that's good. <laughs> and if this helps, even better. But, dude, thanks so much for your time, and let's catch up very soon. I really do appreciate it, Doug. Thank you. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. All right, thanks so much, Rob. That was awesome, awesome stuff. Really appreciate you joining us. By the way, uh, again, programming note, if you want to listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show, we also have podcasts available, each hour's podcast, whole show podcast, iHeartRadio, wherever you download podcasts, download the Doug Gottlieb Show. It airs live 3 to 6 Eastern every day on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. My thanks to Rob Doster um, and to you for downloading, subscribing, rating, and listening. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.